So the last couple of weeks we've been going through uh, the book of Acts and looking at what it's like to live life with your hair on fire. And that comes from Acts chapter two, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. That was the really strange day when the Holy Spirit came and he rested on his people. And God was no longer a God that was far away. He was no longer a God near us or even a God with us. He was now God in us. And those little flames of fire on their head represented the fact that God's spirit was living inside each one of us. And on that day, there were some really weird manifestations, some weird stuff happened when the Holy Spirit came to live in his people, like they started speaking languages that they didn't know. And they started hearing a sound of a wind that wasn't really there, and they all had these flames of fire on their head, but that wasn't the only manifestations that they had. They also had supernatural boldness, and they had supernatural generosity, and supernatural compassion, and persistence, and they had these supernatural fruit of the Spirit. As the Spirit was living in them, this stuff started growing out of them. Love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. All of those were like the result, right? A manifestation of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, and he still lives inside of us. And one of the coolest manifestations that you see in the book of Acts is that these people were hearing from God. Isn't that an incredible thing to think about? These people were hearing from God. God spoke to these people whose hair was on fire. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. If you look through the book of Acts, you'll see like 20 or 25 times that God speaks to them through a dream or a vision or an angel visits as a messenger or sometimes it just says the Lord spoke to them and we don't even know what that was. Was it a text message? Was it an email? You know, was it a, an audible voice? Wouldn't, wouldn't you love that, right? I mean, would it just be the coolest if God would just, just, just straight up tell you, right? I mean, I'm sure you've been, I, I have, you've been in Bible studies before and somebody will read the word and they'll say, oh, here's what God is saying in this. And you'll go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't he tell me? Right? You ever had that experience? Or maybe you've had a time where somebody will just say, well, God was speaking to me this week, and here's what he said. And you'll go, well, what the heck? Right? <laughs> Why not me? Why doesn't, he, why doesn't he speak to me? Or maybe you've had a time where you had a really important decision to make. And you really wanted to honor God with your decision. And you know God knows what's best for you. And you know God wants what's best for you. And so it would really help you if he would just tell you what's best for you. Been there? Because, you know, the Bible doesn't say whether you should join the military or go to college. The Bible doesn't tell you who you're supposed to marry. The Bible doesn't tell you if you're supposed to have kids or where you're supposed to send them to school. And so a lot of times I think we all have this feeling, I wish God would just, just tell me. I'll do it. Just tell me what to do. I had an experience in my late 20s. Um, I'd worked for this company since I was 14 years old, and man, the job was going great. Some stuff started changing, and I had what to me was the biggest decision of my life at that point just about, and that was should I stay with this company? And we got a house payment, man. I got kids in private school, you know. Do I stay or do I go? And that, to me, that was like the biggest decision in the world. And so I just prayed, God, I, I just want to do what you want me to do, man. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And he didn't say boo. And it's like, come on, tell me. I'll do it. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. And so uh, one day I'm reading about Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon, how he put a fleece before the Lord? 
And he took a sheep's skin and he laid it in the grass. And he said, God, if you want me to do this, then tomorrow morning when I wake up, let's have dew on all the grass, but not on the sheepskin fleece. And that way I'll know that it's from you. And so I thought, well, you know, work for Gideon, right? So I go down to the auto parts store and I bought me a sheepskin seat cover. <laughs> Brought it home, put it in my yard, put the sprinklers on timer so they would come on during the night. And I woke up in the morning and I go running out there ready to hear from the Lord, right? And I get out there and during the night the wind had blown the seat cover away. I said, come on, help a brother out, you know? I mean, I'd help, just tell me, I'll do it, I'll do it. I just, I need, this is important to me, right? I need to hear from you. I resorted to even a further stage and that is when I got a magic slate. Remember those? I got a picture. Come on, old people. Tom and Jerry, right there, right? And I would leave it beside the bed, and I would just say, God, I need one word, right? Stay or go, right? That's all I, I'll do it, I'll do it. I wanna do what you want me to do. I know you know what's best for me, but I need you to speak to me and tell me what would happen, and man, he never did. And I was so, like, mad at him. It's like, you know what's best, why don't you just tell me? Why won't you speak to me? And as I grew up, I kind of became, became aware of the fact that God doesn't always just speak to us because we want him to. And I also came aware of the fact that sometimes I think he wants to speak to us, and maybe sometimes he is speaking to us, and we just don't know how to listen. So today we're gonna talk about hearing from God. But here's my disclaimer, I wanna be clear up front. I can't make God speak to you, and neither can you. I mean, he's God, he tends to do what he wants. But maybe we can at least be sure that we're tuned in when he does speak to us, right? Maybe we can just find a position or a posture to where we create space for him to speak to us. And we wanna make sure that we hear his voice and that we recognize his voice when he does speak to us. We don't want him to blind us and knock us down like he had to with Saul. We wanna recognize his voice when we hear it. So how do we do that, right? How how do we hear God's voice? And when we hear a voice, how do we know if it's him and not just me or the people around me? All through Acts, we see God speaking to people in all these different ways, right? Through scripture, through an audible voice. Um, he spoke from the heavens, this is my son, right? He spoke through angels as messengers. And a lot of times people would have a dream or, you know, in the Old Testament, he would speak through the prophets. Right, in fact, um, in Daniel, well, and think about the Ten Commandments. God spoke by writing on the tablets, right? Think of the story of Daniel. Remember when he wrote, his finger came down and wrote in the wall the message that he wanted to get across. God can speak any way he wants to, and he does, but he mostly and most clearly speaks to us in three ways. He speaks to us through his word and his spirit and his people. Let me hear you say, God speaks to us through his word and his spirit and his people. And we're gonna look at a story in Acts right now. We're gonna see all three of them in about this much room, all three of those ways God's gonna speak. So if you've got your Bibles, we're gonna look at Acts chapter eight, really famous story in the New Testament. Um, 
this, it's happening at this point, man. The persecution has started, the church is growing, the word is getting out, the world is being changed. It is on uh, with the New Testament church at this point. And Philip has kind of become a, a big deal in the church. Okay, so here's Acts 8. Uh, we're gonna get a little bonus uh, voice from God in the very beginning here. Verse 26, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the, de- don't you wish God would do that for you sometimes? Go south, okay? Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So this is starting now with a bonus, right? He's speaking to him through an angel. And God speaks any way he wants to, but I'm telling you the three main ways he speaks to us is gonna be his word, his spirit, his people. We're gonna see all three of them right together here. Verse 27, so Philip started out down that desert road and he met on the road the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. And the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning, seating in his carriage, He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. There you go. The number one way that God speaks to us is when we read his word. Verse 29. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. There you go. Right? That is way number two that God speaks through his spirit. It's interesting to me. There's no vision. Right? There's no dream. There's no writing on the wall. There's no tablets from heaven. There's no angel. He just spoke to him through an angel five minutes ago, right? And now he's going to speak to him directly in his spirit. Verse 30, Philip ran over. So the man's in the chariot. The voice tells him, you know, go over and talk to this guy. So Philip runs over. He hears the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip just asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Verse 35, so beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. There you go, right? That's way number three. That is God speaking through his people. That is God speaking through Philip. So as they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, hey, why can't I get baptized? Stopped the carriage, he got out, and Philip baptized him. So there it is. The three most common clearest ways that God speaks to us is through his word and through his spirit and through his people. And the first way, the most common way, and if I could say maybe the best way, is when he speaks to us through his word. And I say it's the best because it's in writing. You know, you ever get something, somebody makes you a promise and you go, gotta get that in writing, right? So it's the same, when it's in writing, it doesn't change. Right? And when it's in writing, it's not subject to so much interpretation. You know, dreams are great, right? A vision, that's the coolest. Who doesn't want to have a vision, right? That's the greatest. But sometimes it's kind of hard to know what the dream means, right? Peter had a dream in Acts chapter 10. And in this dream, a giant sheet comes down from heaven. And on this sheet, there's all kinds of animals, reptiles and snakes and pigs and alligators. And he hears a voice saying, Peter, rise up, kill, and eat. And he says back to the voice, I can't eat that stuff. It's forbidden by Jewish law. I can't eat those animals. They're unclean. And the voice says, don't call unclean what I call clean. And the sheet rolls up all the alligators and stuff and goes back to heaven. What the heck does that mean? Right? I mean, if you, if you had that dream, would you wake up the next morning and say, well, I know where God's leading me now, right? Neither did Peter. Look, verse 17, it says, Peter was very perplexed. 
What could this vision mean? <laughs> no kidding. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about what that means here in just a couple of weeks, but it was very confusing to him. It's very confusing to me. When you have a vision or a dream, it can be very confusing, but I look in the Bible, and it says, thou shalt not murder. Right? You may not like that, but does anybody not understand that? Right? Thou shalt not steal. Right? Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Anybody not get that? It's pretty clear, right? The Bible mostly instructs us a couple of different ways, right, to direct imperatives like that, then honor your parents, right, that tells you what to do, and then it gives us good examples and bad examples. We follow the good ones, we avoid the bad ones, right? It's not brain surgery. The Bible says Peter was bold, and the New Testament start, uh, church started, and God's word spread throughout the world. Should we be bold? Should we be bold? It's not hard to figure this out, right? Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and they dropped dead in church. Should we do that? That's not a good idea, right? So we did, it's really, it's, it's pretty clear when it's in the Bible. Plus with visions and dreams, it's hard to know, was that a vision or was I just daydreaming, right? Was that a dream from God or was that just a dream? And sometimes you have like the really weird dreams one time, Margaret dreamed. <laughs> One time, Margaret dreamed <laughs> that she was Shamu. <laughs> she was a killer whale. And she was walking on her little whale tail with her little... And she was looking for some water. And so she woke up the next day and she goes, honey, I just had this really weird dream. What could, she was very perplexed. Like, <laughs> what could this mean? And I said, I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it means you're a weirdo, <laughs> right? I, said, that, how, I don't think that was from God, but I don't, maybe it was, right? I don't know, it's, it's hard. It's hard with a dream. It's hard with a vision. It's hard when somebody just tells you, oh, God told me, I think God's telling me you should sell your house and move to Nicaragua. And you think, you know what, I think God's telling me you should sell your house and move to Nicaragua. It's hard to know. But when it's in writing, right, when it's, it's on paper right here, you know it's God's word. So the, the number one way, and maybe the best way, certainly the most common way God speaks to us is through his word. But he also speaks to us through his spirit. In verse 29, it says the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and said, go, walk alongside the chariot. And this is a, this is a supernatural event, right? Here's natural, supernatural. Right? This is God speaking to him. It's a miracle. And so by definition, because it's a miracle, that means it doesn't happen all the time, right? But this really happened to Philip. And I think it can still happen to us. And in fact, sometimes I wonder if maybe God is speaking to us in our spirit, but his voice is just drowned out by the voices of the world and whatever, careers, politics, TV, social media, hobbies, just our busyness of our lives is just drowning him out. And I'll tell you, for me, I think that's a problem. I think sometimes God is speaking to me and I just got too much going on. I just got too many things in my ear. Um, I've never heard God speak in an audible voice, but I, I really think I've definitely heard God speak to me and give me an idea or give me some leading. And man, when he does, I, 
I just love that. But it almost never happens when I'm running in circles. It almost never happens when I'm trying to do 100 things at once. It's usually when I just sit down and I'm quiet and I turn off the computer and I turn off my phone and it's just me and him and a Bible and a cup of coffee and my journal. And the Bible is in case he wants to show me something. Maybe he's gonna speak to me through the Bible. Right? And the journal is just in case he speaks something. I just want to write it down you know, while it's fresh and make sure I get it. And the coffee is just because I like coffee. But I just, I just will pray, God, speak. To, here's your book, man. Here, uh, speak to me. Show me something in your word. Show me what you want me to see. Or speak to me in your spirit and give me anything. Give me an idea. Give me a feeling. Give me an actual word about what you want me to do or how you feel about something, and then I just write down what I'm hearing. And the voice is not James Earl Jones. You know what I mean? And it's not always King James version, you know? Verily, therefore I say unto thee, goest now to thine brethren. Right, that's, it's, that's not it. It's not, it's not weird, and it's not scary. And it's not strange. It's the way it was intended to be. We were intended to be in his presence. We were created to be in his presence. We were created to interact with him. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip. The same spirit lives in us. Why would we think he won't speak to me? Why do you think he wouldn't speak to you? And I can't make that happen. You can't make that happen. But we can create space for it to happen, right? Maybe just by quieting ourselves long enough to listen. So he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his spirit. And he speaks to us through his people. God used Philip. God spoke through Philip to explain the, the gospel to this guy, to tell him about Jesus and to speak the truth into his life. And I believe that there are Philips all around us. Preachers, yeah, but also just Christian brothers and sisters and friends, just people with their hair on fire, right? People that have the Holy Spirit living in them and God can speak to us through them if they're bold enough to speak and if we're willing to listen. And it's not, it's not as common now, I don't think it needs to be as common now as it was like in the Old Testament times. You know, in the Old Testament, here's Ezekiel and Joel and Moses and Habakkuk and all those guys, right? And if you wanted to hear from God, you had to go ask him, what's he saying, right? That's how you did it. You went to the prophet. That's the way it was. Um, God spoke almost exclusively to his people through his prophets. So if you wanted to hear from God, you had to go ask them what he wanted to say. But look what Hebrews 1.1 says, okay? This, so this is after Acts, or during that maybe. But it's after the Holy Spirit has come. Hebrews 1.1 says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Verse two, and now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. So he doesn't really need to speak to us through prophets anymore because now the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Spirit of Jesus lives in us. He can speak directly to us. And now we have the Word. 
He can speak to us through the word. And we have the example of Jesus and we have the teaching of Jesus. And the veil is torn now. You know what I mean by that? You know, in the old tabernacle, there was this giant curtain, this giant veil that separated us regular folks from the holy of holies. Only the prophets, only the priests could go in there, and God would tell them what to tell the rest of us. But when Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn. And that gave all of us direct access to our Father. So we don't have to go through a prophet anymore. We don't have to go through a priest anymore. We can go straight to God. So mostly, we don't need to go to prophets. But still, in Acts, after the Holy Spirit came, after the church was established, we still see God continue to speak to people through people. So, for example, in Acts 21, God spoke to Paul through a guy named Agabus, and he told Agabus what to tell Paul, and that was after the Holy Spirit came. So I don't think prophecy is over. I think it's just maybe a little less necessary than it used to be, a little less common than it used to be. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says that the Holy Spirit alone distributes these gifts, right? And he decides by himself who gets what. So there are probably some Christians that don't have the gift of prophecy. So the word is always gonna be our surest, most reliable way to hear from God. And so whenever we think we're hearing from him in our spirit, or whenever someone is speaking to us on his behalf and he's speaking to us through his people, you know, we wanna be careful, right? When we think God is, is speaking to us, it's kind of important that we're sure, right? You don't wanna be that guy that says, I don't know, man, I thought I heard God's voice and he was saying, you're gonna be a fisher of men and you need to move to Alaska. So I sold my house and I left my job and I moved to Alaska. And, you know, it turns out that I had just butt-dialed a YouTube video of the deadliest catch, and that's what I had been hearing, right? It's kind of important that we're sure that it's God's voice. When it's in writing, it's easy. But when we think we're hearing from him in our spirit, or when somebody else is speaking to us for God, and he's speaking through them to us, how can we, like, how do we differentiate Right? How do we recognize God's voice? How do we distinguish God's voice from all the other voices? Right? How do we know it's not Satan or the world or somebody's opinion? How do we know it's not just my own pride talking? How do we know it's not an amazing subliminal Google ad? Right? They're influencing us more than we know. Right? If you think God is telling you to buy a bunch of stuff on Amazon, might be God or it might be Jeff Bezos, right? So how do we know? How do we know? We hear it in our spirit. Somebody says, God told me to tell you this. How do we know it's God's voice? So today, we wanna to look at 1 Thessalonians 5.19 because some people will say, it's hard, it's scary to hear from God, so forget it. I just won't do it. I just won't try. But this verse says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak to you, man. Don't hush him, right? Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecy. Don't make fun of the idea that God could speak to you through someone else. But look at verse 21. But test everything that's said and hold on to what's good. I heard a preacher say one time, eat the meat, spit out the bones, right? So we listen to everything, we test it, and we hold on to what's good. So what's the test? 
Let me give you three quick ones, right? Three quick, easy, simple tests. You hear a voice from God in your spirit or somebody tells you God told them something for you, here's how you test it. And you'll be able to distinguish God's voice from the world, from Satan, from yourself. Test number one, God's voice always aligns with scripture. God's voice always aligns with scripture. Why would he say one thing and write another? Right, God's voice always aligns with scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. So what does that mean? It means the scripture is a perfect plumb line, right? You just compare it. I heard this voice, is that what it says? Does that agree with what the Bible says? If it doesn't, then that's not God's voice. You think you're hearing from God's voice, oh, oh, I don't know, God's telling me, he wants me to be happy. I think he's telling me I should kill my husband, <laughs> take the insurance money, and run off with the pool guy. I mean, that's, I think God is speaking this to me. Okay, okay, maybe. Let's see what the word says. <laughs> oh, here we go. Thou shalt not kill. Okay, so that probably wasn't God's voice, right? And some people will say, well, <laughs> is it always that simple, right? And it's not always that simple, but a lot of times it's simpler than we make it. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another. Love each other the way I loved you. How did Jesus love us? Perfectly sacrificially, completely. So Jesus told you to do that. So if you hear a voice or somebody tells you to do something and it's not that, it doesn't align with scripture. And if it doesn't align with scripture, it's not God. Because God's voice always aligns with scripture. The second test, test number two. God's voice always aligns with his character. God's voice always aligns with his Character In Malachi 3, 6, he says, I am the Lord and I do not change. I do not change. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. James 1, 17 says, God never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God doesn't change. He's not like we are. One day he's like this and another day he's like that. His character does not change. So everything God says is in character. So the more you know God, the more you know who he is and what he loves and what he hates, the easier it is to recognize his voice because his voice will always align with his character. When somebody says something to you or you hear something in your voice, you can ask yourself, does that sound like something God would say? If you know him, if you know his character. I'll tell you, our kids department is right next to my office. Note to self, next time we build a church building, it's gonna be different than that. But uh, Pastor Andrea, our kid's pastor's office is right next to mine. So like, I can hear what's going on in there, right? I can hear the singing and the talking, and it's kind of because it's through the wall. You know, you can't really understand everything they're saying. But like, let's just say one day I hear a voice and somebody says, I am so sick of these snotty little brats. And let's just say that voice sounds kind of like Andrea's voice. And it's even got that weird little Illinois accent, right? <laughs> and you might say, was that Pastor Andrea? Because it sounded like her. That's her voice. That's her accent. That sounded like her talking. And I can tell you for sure that wasn't her. Why do I know that? That's not something she would say. I know her. I know her character. That's not something she would say. God's voice always aligns with his character. And if you look throughout the New Testament, the most common way God's character is portrayed in the New Testament is as a loving 
Father. You want to know the character of God? He's a good, good father, right? You want to know the character of God? That's who he is, man. He's protecting He's providing, he's teaching. He always wants the best for his kids. He never gives up on his kids. That's God's character. So you think you're hearing from God in your spirit or somebody's giving you a prophetic word or something and you're wondering if it's really from God, test it. Ask yourself, is this something a good, perfect father would say? And if it's not, that's not God's voice because God's voice always aligns with his character and it always aligns with his word. Third test, God's voice is always life-giving. It's never condemning. He is the author of life. That's who he is. It's always life-giving. It's never condemning. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for us that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for us. God went to a lot of trouble so that you could not be condemned. So if it's condemning, it's not from God. Now his voice might convict us of something that we should change. But there's a big difference between condemnation and conviction, right? Condemnation is saying you blew it, right? You're out, it's over, it's hopeless, you're done. That's condemnation. God would never say to you, like, let's just say you sin, and I know you guys won't, but I'm getting ready for the next service, okay? So let's just say somebody in the next service sins at some point, right? A condemning voice would say, you blew it. You're out of the family. God's mad at you. He'll never take you back. He'll never use you again. He sees you differently now. That's the voice of condemnation. A convicting voice would say something like, you know what? This is sin, and I don't want that to come between us. So let's get rid of it. I don't want you to deal with the consequences of this. So let's don't do it. I don't want you to have shame or regret or guilt later. So let's don't do it. I have something better for you than this. So let's don't do it. That's the difference between condemnation and convicting. So God's voice might be convicting, but it's never condemning. And it's super important to remember that because Satan loves to get in your ear, doesn't he? When you make a mistake, and it's the hundredth time you've made that mistake, he loves to get in your ear. Even people like to get in your ear and say, yeah, you're out now. You know, you blew it. God's not gonna be able to use you anymore. You're probably out of the family right now. He'll never see you the same as he used to see you because you blew it. That's condemnation. And if you hear that voice, I just want to tell you, that's not God's voice because his voice is never condemning. It's always life-giving. And maybe you've felt it in church. Maybe you've had people come up and, and judge you or condemn you. Oh, I'm prophesying now, and God has given me a word for you, and that is that you're the worst, <laughs> right? He, he's against you now, and it's hopeless for you. I'm gonna tell you something. That is not God's voice. That is not prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3 describes it for us. One who prophesies, it's a good verse. One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So 
if it's from God, it should give strength and encouragement and comfort. It should be life-giving. If it's not strengthening, if it's not encouraging, if it's not comforting, if it's not life-giving, if it's condemning, that's not God's voice. So hearing from God can be a little frustrating, right? Because we can't make God speak to us, but we can put ourselves in a position, right? We can put ourselves in a posture to hear him. We can create space for him to speak to us by reading the Bible, right? By just asking him to speak and then quieting yourself enough to listen and by hanging around people that have their hair on fire and just see if maybe he wants to speak to us through them. And now if, no, when he does speak to you, you'll be ready because you know that God speaks mostly and most clearly in three ways. A, his word. B, his spirit. C, his people. And if you hear his voice or you hear something that you think is his voice and you're not sure if it's him or not, test it. Number one, does it align with scripture? Number two, does it align with his character? Number three, is it life-giving instead of condemning? So if you hear it in A, B, or C, and it passes tests one, two, and three, then you'll know that's God's voice and you've heard from God. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your word. Man, you've shown us how they did it so that we can see how we should do it. We've seen the things that they did right and wrong and how we can emulate those things and follow those things. God, your word teaches us that you are no respecter of persons. You didn't like Philip any better than you like us. You had no more respect for Peter, no more love for Paul than you have for us. And so, Lord, if you spoke to them, we're just gonna ask you to speak to us. We wanna hear your voice. So, God, will you just remind us to posture ourselves so that we leave space for you to speak to us, to quiet ourselves, to get our coffee and our journal and our Bible and just sit quietly and see what you might wanna say to us? Will you just teach us to to look at your word and, and try to hear from you to be quiet in our spirits so we can hear your voice, to surround ourselves with your people so you can speak through them to us. And God, it's, it's a confusing world, man. We got a lot of voices coming at us right now, and when those voices come, will you please remind us to test all things. When we hear something and we think it's from you, to ask ourselves, does this align with scripture? And does this align with your character? And is this life-giving? And if it is, Lord, we'll know that that's your voice. And will you just give us the boldness and the courage to act like these people acted, to move forward in our faith, to take what you say and run with it. Thank you for your leading. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your spirit inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And he's calling right now. That's perfect timing, actually.